We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, uh, I think this is what we call a winning streak, even in the podcast business, because we've got back-to-back episodes of normalcy and uh, back-to-back episodes where we have a lot of positive things to talk about. This was the series of proving all of my instincts wrong Uh, I was just listening to a podcast with J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins, and uh, one of the points somebody made was when you're in the business of just saying your sports opinions out loud, um, you're going to be wrong a lot. And in this case, I guess that was J.J. Redick who said that. I'm just going to go. Maybe I'm wrong, but Perk offered some words of clarity uh, that really surprised me that episode. So I don't know why I'm giving an advertisement for the J.J. Redick podcast, but it was good. And in this case, it wasn't takes that I said out loud that were wrong. It was takes that I felt in my soul and takes that we shared amongst each other. And we, at the end of the day, things turned out okay. It was surprising. But first of all, how are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. Uh, The Brewers are a lot easier to watch, a lot more comforting to watch than they were a couple of weeks ago. They are healthier, and there are signs of them continuing to get healthier, even though setbacks continue to come up along the way. Hunter Renfro being 
the latest of those, just when everything seems like it's back to normal. Well, here's another injury for you. That's been the Brewers season so far. But this was a stretch, this seven-game stretch. And, I mean, you could probably extend it to the two upcoming games um, against uh, the Rays. It's a solid test for them, given kind of how bad they've been recently. Um, they they come through Cincinnati with a sweep. That's not really telling us a whole lot. But given all of the losses they'd racked up in their most injury bit in the stretch of the year before that, you want to see them come back out and you want to see them show something. And we talked about, you know, if you can go 500, one game either side of it, through this seven-game stretch, we could extend it to the nine-game stretch. I think you'd be very happy with that. So to come true series split against the Cardinals, which was very important not to lose any ground in a series with the Cardinals right now. And then to actually beat the Blue Jays in the series, which I'll be honest, after game one, I was not fully anticipating. Um, that's great. That's that's really, really positive. And if you can come up with a good two games in Tampa, then you've got a 10-game stretch with just games against the Pirates and the Cubs. And things could get very interesting again if you can get some feel-good momentum going and then take care of business in those games. You could all of a sudden kind of get yourself back on track. I mean, they're not in a terrible position, but they're nowhere near the spot it seemed early in the season they could be. They've got a chance before things break up for the midway point to get close to that again. Yeah, it really does feel like the ship has been steady to an extent, and um, it kind of had to be. I mean, that series against the Cardinals was the the treading water that we ask of them in many times when they're going up against difficult situations, and then the series against Toronto was just incredibly impressive. I know they haven't been playing their best baseball yet, but the Blue Jays are a good team. They are in the playoff mix in the American League East. If <laughs> if they weren't in a in a division with an absolute super villain in the New York Yankees, uh, they might even be in contention for the division crown. A lot of people, they were a very popular uh, World Series pick going into the season. Um, but, you know, it doesn't look like they're that quality, but they are a good baseball team. So taking two out of three from them is no small feat, especially in a situation where you're locked in a, even in June, a tight division race with the Cardinals and every series matters. And the Cardinals go into a series playing the, uh, the uh, dismal, useless Chicago Cubs and the Brewers end up playing in a series against a good team. And at the end of the day, the Brewers take two out of three from the good team and the useless Cubs make themselves useful for once and take two out of three from the Cardinals, giving the Brewers back that uh, division lead. Uh, Yeah, it was just really nice to see. And especially after after game one, it didn't look like that was going to be the case because things started off uh, very precariously for the Brewers. Uh, Adrian Hauser versus out Manoa. Manoa was the one to watch on the mound for me for Toronto. I think he's just a really exceptional young pitcher. Um, six and two thirds innings, five hits, two runs, six strikeouts for him. Season ERA is two zero five. And Adrian Hauser did the thing that even in his good starts, he's been doing lately in that he has just one inning that snowballs and gets away from him. Uh, and, you know, just takes the Brewers out of the game early for the most part. In this case, that was the second inning, uh, a Matt Chapman double, a Duriel double. And then it could, it could have actually been worse because the uh, with a four nothing lead, the 
the Blue Jays got their final run of that second inning on a on a double play ball. If if that could have been literally anything else, they could have potentially added more runs onto that inning. Hauser goes six six innings, nine hits, five runs, all of them earned one walk, three strikeouts, and it's all in that fifth inning. And I don't know what it is for Hauser at this point. It's just second second inning. Yeah, that oh yeah, that second inning. All all the runs in that second inning, and that's just kind of been the the name of the game for Hauser lately. In his last start, he uh, only gave up, uh, I think, uh, three runs, all of them earned, and all, all came in one inning. So that that kind of snowball inning is, is really what's impacting Hauser right now. And it took the Brewers out of this game early, and it just, I mean, that was kind of the name of the game. They would get some runs in late, but they really never had a chance to win this game. They lose the game by five runs. Like, it's as, it's as simple as that. You look at the kind of, the ebb and flow of the game for their own, it's a Brewers baseball game. It's kind of exactly where they want to be against a good team. It's close. You may be getting down into the ninth, having to do something. You may be going extra innings, but with an inning like that early on, it's you're behind the eight ball and you're not getting back. And you're right, this has been a feature for Hauser lately. I can't remember it being quite as bad as this one. I can't remember five runs being given up in a single inning. And you just really cannot have that. And he has not been good lately. It's a little bit concerning. I think the one thing to your point is he's showing really good kind of resilience in that he's having these terrible innings and then he comes out of it and he somehow gets it back together. Like to give up five in the second and to go six innings and not give up any more runs. That's kind of impressive. I just would love to see him kind of battle through the adversity in the moment, in the inning, that little bit better. Um, because we've talked about it at length now for many podcasts, for many weeks. Like, with Brandon Woodruff out, and thankfully that's not something we're going to be saying for too much longer. Um, and with Freddie Peralta out, which things are also trending positively there, but that's likely still going to be another while. The Brewers just need everything they can get from their starting pitchers. They need the guys, particularly Hauser and Lauer, your fourth and fifth starters. They have moved up the pecking order under the current circumstances, and they have not, their play has not reflected that. If anything, their play is actually worse than when they were kind of in their, their regular back of the starting rotation spots to start the season. Uh, from Will Salmon's piece in the Athletic this week, Hauser's ERA over his last six starts is six five four. Um, Lauer's, Lauer's is six twelve. So to your point, um, they have been been struggling since kind of being elevated into, you know, psychologically that larger role given um, um, Woodruff and Peralta not being in the in the rotation. Um, well, Lauer is so that, it's not dissimilar either in that it just feels like. Lauer starts recently, they're kind of pretty solid and controlled, but he's just given up homers and sometimes in bunches. I know we had back to back. If that wasn't his last start, it was the one before where it's just like once he loses control, it's just like it goes in a hurry and the runs rack up fast. Lauer's next start does come against a, a good team in Tampa on Wednesday, but I am interested to see if this after this, this uh, Pirates Cups Pirates stretch can be a sort of get right series for both of them as they're facing uh, a couple of weaker offensive teams. Uh, Trevor Kelly had another tough outing after bouncing back last week and inning pitch three hits, three runs, all of them earned. Uh, There's still a roster decision 
to be made uh, with with Brandon Woodruff being activated today. Um, the question is, will that be Trevor Kelly? Will it be Chichi Gonzalez? Uh, we shall see. I uh, I tend to, when we'll talk about this a little bit later, I tend to value kind of Chichi's unique skill set that he's shown so far, and then it's just like a survive uh, a few innings when you need to not get absolutely destroyed. So I would opt to to keep him instead of Kelly if you have an, a situation where a starter gets knocked around early and you need someone just to eat innings. Um, so that would be my decision making there, but I would expect them to send down Chi Chi and keep Kelly. Uh, Peter Strzelecki gets two innings, uh, one one run away. He's probably um, he's probably another candidate for that roster decision too. Yeah, he definitely is. I think he's probably just like uh, lower in tenure and status among uh, the Brewers orc. So I could see that as well. A pair of strikeouts for him. Uh, a Tyrone Taylor homer in this game, which is always nice to see. Um, Christian Yelich two for three day with a pair of walks. So lead off Yelly um, doing what lead off Yelly needs to do uh, getting on base, but beyond um, Tyrone and Yelich, not much to write home about offensively. And it just would uh, lead to a, a nine, four uh, blue Jays win, but they would bounce back in game two and uh, another good performance, even if he wasn't at his sharpest from Corbin Burns going deep into a baseball game and giving the Brewers the, the start they need in a game against a good team. Uh, Burns went seven, two thirds innings pitch, five hits, three runs, all of them are nine strikeouts, but pitching deep into the, the eighth inning and, and giving them the link that they need, got the story scoring started off fast. And in this time, in this case, the Brewers were the team that put their opponent in a deeper hole. Tyron Taylor single in the first to score Adamas. Uh, Adamas single in the second to score Keston Hira. Then we get a Kutch homer in the second to score him and Adamas to make it 4 nothing. And then Mike Barrasso back into um, back into Craig Council's assortment of bench pieces gets the start and homers to left field. Nice to have him back one for three day with that homer. Um, but yeah, just a game where it was th- the reverse of what happened. The Brewers scored early and only scored early and uh, relied on Cur- Corbin Burns just to hold things down and-, and get you to a point where you could pitch out the final one and one third innings with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. And that's always a good situation to be in, even if Josh Hader did allow a run. Did allow a couple of hits, a run. We don't see that very often. Um <laughs> it speaks to his high standards that it's very jarring when it happens, when there's even just a hit when he's out there, but he had the cushion and honestly, it never felt in doubt in the moment. Like uh, that level of confidence in him is still pretty unshakable for me right now. Uh, This is just an incredible Corbin Burns game. We were saying that a lot lately. I don't think it's quite as dazzling. It wasn't quite as clean as his previous outing, but this is a good team. Like this is this is a better team probably than his last couple of starts and well his last start the one before that I think was against the Mets. Um, uh, but the and the Cardinals stuff doesn't count because Corbin Burns is the Cardinals' daddy, so it's just like it's just like nature taking its course. But it's like seven and two thirds innings, given the situation, is just such a big deal. And it's like, that's when we talk about, you're not necessarily looking for Hauser and Lauer to step up and do that. Like, that's that's more than anyone could ask for. But Corbin has really taken it upon himself of, okay, 
I am the number one guy. Number two and number three are down. The bullpen has been stretched. The starting pitching rotation has been stretched. So it's up to me to try and make this easier for everyone else. And outside of one blip where he had a short start, which is not something that happens very often for Corbin Burns, he has been doing that. He basically got eight here. And speaking after the game, he kind of noted he was disappointed because he set out with the intention of going nine. And it's kind of easy to say a lot of that stuff, but you can believe it when he says it because his performance out there was backing that up. It's the kind of thing he wasn't too far away from. And when you're going into the next day and it's like, oh, well, Chichi Gonzalez is starting. (laughs) Like, you're going to need to save the bullpen. You're going to need to save the bullpen for that, for that game. Like, for example, someone like uh, Jandel Gustave, who went two innings, which we'll get to the next day. That's just an example of the kind of thing where if, if Corbin's going six or if he's a tough day, he's going five, and those kind of guys are having to come in then, it just gets a lot tougher on the day where you're not really expecting Gonzalez to get you too deep into the game. So for Corbin to step up like that and just fall under the eight-inning mark, was a very, very big deal. And the performance is great, but with that, it's just like, you're also being like the team leader. You're being the guy. You are the guy, but you're also stepping out there and delivering when your team needs you to. And that is a very big deal. I'm sure it's it's valued beyond all of the obvious ways that obviously within the Brewers, Corbin Burns is valued. But I even think as a fan, it's like that, that matters. That kind of means quite a lot when you're like, okay, well, Corbin is not just going out and playing well but he's going beyond that because he's aware of the team situation and what they need to do right now. Absolutely uh, essential. And I love the mindset going into it saying being disappointed, not going nine. That's, that's uh that's sicko stuff. That's the kind of stuff you want from your number one starter. Uh, Brewers might not have many representatives at the all-star game this year, but Corbin Burns will definitely be one of them and will be in the mix for the Cy Young. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Um, did get that uh, one strikeout when the one out was needed from Devin Williams, who has just been ever so reliable lately and is, is having a, a great uh, season after the tough start. Um, got to see kind of why this Toronto offense can be so scary late, even though they only scored the four runs, the Matt Chapman homer, and then the Dante Bichette Jr. homer in the eighth. Um, both uh, the Bichette one, uh, or I guess the Chapman went further, but they were both just kind of crushed and kind of terrifying. Matt Chapman, not known for his bat, but was a, a pest this game. Three for four, two runs, one RBI on the solo homer. Um, on the Brewer side of things, got a really nice performance from Luis Arias, two hits and a walk. Um, and at second base, uh, played some really solid defense, turned a, a nice double play with Willie Adamas early in the game. And it's I, – I need to do the rest of the uh, – my outs above average stat cast uh, kind of data compilation. But from what I'm looking at, it, it seems like throughout his career – and he's a guy obviously not known for his defense, which is why Willie Adamas was traded for last year. But his best defensive position might be second base um, based on just, you know, uh, the eye test and kind of some of the numbers I've been looking, looking at. It seems like he's at least neutral there defensively in terms of some of the metrics here uh, in terms of out of above average this year. And, you know, small sample because he's getting mul multiple innings at in different positions and not just like at one spot. To, to lock in some kind of metrics there. He's minus four at shortstop, minus one at third base, zero at second base. So uh, really interesting what Arias playing multiple positions and in particular playing second base does well, uh, or playing second base well does to the flexibility in terms of the moves they're able to make at the deadline. Because I think you can go into that situation, and we'll get to this later, and I think Kurt Hodman – Kurt Hogg makes some good points about this in an article later. You can kind of just go into that situation and say, if the best bat available is at third base, we don't necessarily need to look at him being there as an impediment because he's a guy that's going to get starts to spell Colton Long and Adamas here and there and whoever they bring in at third base. You've got Jace Peterson who can play all across the diamond. So just something interesting to monitor, especially, Actually, as you know, as Colton Wong gets back, how does Arias look at third base, and does he look as good as he's looked at second lately? But a five-four well, win. Also, with that, Andrew, I mean, Colton's a free agent this summer or this yep. off-season. There's the NBA in me, um, and I think the general feeling seems to be like it'll probably be it for him with the Brewers. It makes sense given some of what's there in terms of prospects too. Like it might be something second half of the season, you you look to get more looks uh, at Arias there and see, okay, well, is this something? Is this what we can plan for? Is this how we're going to work it? It's it's an intriguing one to keep an eye on, even beyond this season and beyond the deadline. Yeah, it definitely is. That's that's something that should have popped into my mind immediately. Is what it does for their the kind of just building blocks of their roster build moving forward and where he can slot in and allow them to, you know, look elsewhere to, to build this team and in particular the offense, but a five, four, win, burns Williams hater. That's, that's the, uh, that's the good stuff right there. Uh, moving on to game three uh, and the aforementioned Chichi Gonzalez start. The man is, is a special type of consistent last time against the Cardinals, four innings pitch, four hits, three earned runs. 
this game against the Blue Jays, four innings pitch, four hits, three earned runs. This time he had two walks. He had one walk against the Cardinals. Uh, a tough first inning. It That's an like MLB record, by the way. I believe it was Kurt Hogg who tweeted that out. He now holds the MLB record for most consecutive games, giving up three runs in an inning. Yeah, he's he's got a very specific game model that, that he rolls out there. Three runs in the first, then three scoreless gets you to the bullpen. But Alejandro Kirk, who we, we spoke about going into this series as, as someone to fear, uh, showed that in the final game of the series, two for four uh, with a run and three RBI, and he hit a home run in the first inning. Uh, that set things off in a scary spot, but Adam, when you've got Rowdy Telez, you, you can never you can never really be too scared about what's going to happen next because he took things into his own hands, hit a two run homer hit right in the bottom of the first, then Omar Narvaez a double to center field to score Luis Arias, and it's the board is reset after one inning and uh, starting to feel a little bit more positive about things. In the second inning, the scoring keeps going. Uh, infield single from Jonathan Davis scores Tyrone Taylor. Um, Christian Yelich, RBI ground out to score Peterson. And then a Willie Thomas single scores Davis. It's 6-3 at this point. And then that man again, back-to-back innings, routed to Les, a home run to score him and Willie Thomas. 8-3 after two innings. And it goes from a game that's looking like it was lost to a game that the Brewers are in firm control of and would never re- relinquish control. I do want to mention in the second inning, uh, Jace Peterson betrayed you a little bit by laying down an absolutely beautiful bunt uh, base hit. Uh, I'll, I'll show you the replay at some point. But yeah, 8-3 eight, eight, after two innings. And uh, well, like I said, just something that took me by surprise and, and showed what this team can do um, when they're clicking on all cylinders. Jose Barrios, who was a, a big uh, trade pickup by the Blue Jays, a few years ago, and then I believe they extended him. Um, they got him from the Minnesota Twins, uh, and he was he was supposed to slot in uh, either above or behind Alec Manoa uh, as that either ace or number two starter. Uh, they got him in the summer of 2021, I should say, uh, and then he agreed to that seven-year extension in this offseason. Uh, has not been good this year. Um, he leaves this game with a 5.86 ERA, two and two-thirds innings pitch, eight hits, eight earned runs, two walks, one strikeout. The Brewers smelled blood in the water, and they turned themselves into sharks and just uh, feasted. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch all this live. I've only seen condensed games. Funny enough, they didn't value Jace's bunt enough to put it in there. I mean, a beautiful a beautiful hit is going to find its way into a condensed game. But I must I, – I saw some of our friends in the Discord react quickly – you know, that was, no surprises that was as them. to who that call out was for them. No surprises as to who knew Mac. Um, but I'll I'll make sure to check that out. My my one thing on this game and something I have been thinking about because we'll we'll get to Master Brewer leaderboard shortly, and he is the leader this season. Things have slowed down a little bit lately, but are we kind of are more recently have we just kind of been somewhat taking rowdy? for granted even i know one of the things coming into the season and um, particularly you coming from the outside in this team was you were somewhat concerned about what he was going to be like as a defender at first and i think originally it was even a position that you're like well look it could be a spot for an upgrade and until we jinxed it very recently or not us specifically but it was jinxed that he was one of only two first basemen in baseball uh without an error up to the season and of course he immediately had one after that 
Um, but largely been very, very clean. A lot of good, solid plays. And the bat has been good. I mean, of kind of everyday starters on this team, well, one one thing that's going for him, he, outside of Yelly, I think he's played more games than any other Brewer. Like, they're the only two guys, which, knock on wood, it feels like haven't haven't had to deal with their share of stuff so far this season. But for Rowdy, he's the only everyday starter who's, like, consistently been touching, like, 800 OPS. Like, I, I do think there's just a level of consistency all around to his play where when he's in a game, you never have to think too much about him. Even when he is in a bit of a funk, there is always a feeling that he comes to the plate in a good situation. He's got a chance to do something with it. The home runs may not have been there quite as often recently, but he's still very steady with RBI. Like, I, I don't think there's a another guy on this roster that in a clutch situation with runners on base that I would want to see there. That's pretty obvious when he's the RBI leader. But it, it really does feel like he most reliably kind of stands up to the moment for the team this year. So I don't know. Everyone who listens at this point likely knows that Rowdy is my guy. But this was a nice kind of jolt and a reminder, which is like, yeah, he's he's been someone that in in the kind of the the ups and downs of other players and some of the issues with injuries, our, our attention has probably been dragged elsewhere. But it is worth remembering, oh, he's just being like really, really solid in a way that if the Brewers had two or three more guys that were kind of just as reliably at their level and that level being a good level throughout this season, things would be a little bit better than they are right now. Yeah, I, I would say I don't think you or I are undervaluing. Or no, but I, <laughs> I do mean us because I don't even think we've been talking a whole lot about him. And I guess that is just there haven't been the homers. And when we go game to game, it's kind of those kind of moments that come up. But I, I think it's been a while since we've singled them out. And we should probably generally, not just in regard to him, make an effort to guys, for example, someone who we may do so. Kutch, we talked before we started. Kutch has been really just solid, like really solid, playing very well since he's come back from COVID. And that's a big deal. Rowdy's kind of, you know, if you take the overall picture of the season, he's been very solid. Have there been some spells where he's cooled off? Sure, but that's going to happen. But maybe that's the kind of thing that, from our point of view, even, it's worth us kind of flagging up for guys a little bit more. Yeah, I think in just in general, a guy like Rowdy and where he fits in with his production, it's just like one tier, like one slight whisper below all-star consideration in a loaded National League. So I think especially for like national baseball fans, it would be easy to overlook what he's doing, but they shouldn't because of the production, obviously. But then also you just get like the the nice stories about him making a kid's day and and just the likable presence that he has around the clubhouse. So, you know, I think it's always uh, good in a long baseball season just to sit down and appreciate uh, the things that are joyous about the season. One of those is, is Rowdy's play. Like, uh, uh, you know, he's never he's never going to be a gold gold glover at first because he doesn't have the range. And that's going to be that's what's going to penalize him in a lot of these metrics and a lot of these scouts. But he's just ever so reliable when a ball's in front of him. He's rarely going to make the big mistake that costs you a game. Obviously, they had that uh, bad throw the other week, but that's an anomaly. I mean, he's just like all around. That's that, you put, the word you said is solid. It's just like he is. Uh, if you look up the word reliable in the dictionary, you're just going to see 
Rowdy Tellez. It's nothing flashy. It's not, nothing that's going to blow you away, but it's just exactly what the Brewers need from him in that spot. And it's really cool just to see the full season version of this. You know, it's been half a season, but obviously he was traded from these Toronto Blue Jays because the Toronto Blue Jays have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And there's just mm-hmm. wasn't space for him to be the everyday first baseman. And Rowdy, I mean, in, in seeing it told, always knew he could be this everyday guy. And in getting this role and in being put in this position, he's showing that, yeah, I can be the everyday guy. I can hit 13 homers. I can uh, sl- uh, have an OPS above uh league average and you know slug 475 and just be a reliable presence in the middle of a lineup and over at first base and be that key cog so it's it's really just kind of coming full circle in this season where rowdy started with the blue jays and where he is now and especially in this game where his two home runs are the exclamation point and the like throwing dirt on toronto's grave in this series yeah, and the cathartic roar, like as he rounds the bases after second one, just one of one of the better moments of the season. And if by any chance anyone hasn't read um, the story that Andrew made reference to, Adam McAlvey wrote a piece about, uh, I believe it was a fifth birthday young autistic boy from just outside Toronto, who Rowdy had been his favorite player with the Blue Jays. He's remained a Rowdy fan since. The family made the significant drive to Milwaukee for this game. He met Rowdy before the game. Rowdy signed uh, a jersey for him and then goes out there and proceeds to hit two home runs. Just a great, great story with some really fantastic Rowdy quotes, like genuinely humble. And I don't know how Brewers fans could like the guy anymore, but the quotes will certainly push you towards that. Really great story and just that roar and you could see what I meant to him and he struggled. I mean, he didn't play game two, right? That was the one he didn't play. Uh, oh, right. well, he, did he pinch hit late? He might have. He, uh, I believe he, hold on. Damn it. Why did I put down the box score? I know he got into the game, especially because they wanted him as a defensive replacement late. Okay. Um, I actually don't I think he got that bat, but I think he came in right. for defense, but a yep. tough game. over uh, five in game one. So part of that may also be, you know, really wanting it. So for him to to come in and then do that in game three, that's that's a big deal. And also, I mean, it kind of does in a lot of ways point to, again, the fact that he is the RBI leader, that he tends to come up in the clutch. Not too many chances if you're ready to last playing for the Brewers to like make your point against the Blue Jays and get that moment. So on um, one of their on their first visit to Milwaukee since he was traded in one of the two starts you got against him to have a two home run game. That's that's pretty sweet. And also he Rowdy always thinking about what we need when we need it most gave us the two homers. And then also the perfectly framed uh, video of him with the Thanos uh, yes. glove or whatever the hell it's called. I, I've already it's, forgotten. It's the affinity gauntlet. The the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Uh, so that'll be used frequently, I'm sure. I've got it saved, Andrew. Don't worry about it. Perfect. You're always thinking ahead. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from this game. But, I mean, it was a situation where uh, the Brewers just really surprised <laughs> surprised me. Uh, I was concerned hot, about hot the series. tip to the bullpen, I will say. Uh, like yeah. Trevor, Trevor got... Uh, two strikeouts, no hits in, back. in his inning. Welcome back. And 
if we could get kind of that version of Trevor got, there were some kind of shaky games, which honestly may have been injury related, um, given some of what we heard then before he did go out. But if we could get the version of got that was there to start the season, well, that would be incredibly welcome. And two strikeouts, no hits in his inning was exactly that kind of guy. Yeah, if we can get got to be like that in, in every appearance, things are going to be good. I do want to call out uh, another guy who had a, a good outing out of the bullpen. You mentioned Gustave returning as well. Great to see him back, honestly. I feel like uh, it was kind of one thing we were overlooking is just kind of, uh, I guess we weren't because we gave him a beer or two uh, in Master Brew Points. Is He had become kind of one of those reliable middle-inning guys, and if he can get back to that, some of these situations where a starter's pitch count is is worked up early in a game and you need to have someone to eat a couple of innings. Gustave can be that answer. And Brent Suter has been really good lately. I think this is injection more parents. more perspective. I think there's been a a new baby boost for Suter since Yeah, his... he's got he's got second second baby dad strength, I think is what is is impacting him now. But I think this is five straight appearances without allowing a run for him. And it's lower to season ERA to 4.23. I mean, and the way he's looking, look for that to keep coming down. Back-to-back outings without a hit. He did allow a walk in this game, but just a really solid uh, performance out of the bullpen from a lot of guys. And Trevor Kelly closed things down in the ninth with a, with a scoreless inning. Um, but, yeah, that's I think that's all we have for this series. The Brewers came in against a good team at home before heading out um, for two against the Tampa Bay Rays, and they took care of business and put themselves back in top on the always topsy-turvy roller coaster ride that is the race in the uh, NL Central. Shall we move on to Master Brewer points? Sure, let's do it. I do not see Gustave ever having got one, by the way, so I don't know where you got that from. Uh, I dreamed it. I dreamed it, and it is not a real thing. It is. I dreamed a dream of time gone by. Uh, Master Brewer points going down the list. Uh, Corbin Burns, obviously, seven and two-thirds innings pitch, five hits, three and runs, nine strikeouts, like you said, basically gave the Brewers eight innings, coming off a loss, going into a day where you would expect to use a lot of the bullpen. Great performance for Burns. Tyron Taylor, four for 11, one walk, one double, one home run, three earned, three runs, not, not earned. He's not a pitcher, two RBI. Uh, Rowdy Tellez, the aforementioned two home runs, uh, making that kid's day, drawing a walk for RBI. And like you said, solid defensive um, production from him in this series. Andrew McCutcheon, three for 11, a walk, a homer, a run, three RBI. Uh, from Will Salmon's piece in the Athletic, Cutch's OPS by month, April 639, May 501 in June, and 88 plate appearances, 901. The Cutch bounce back is looking real, and uh, it's nice to see. Leadoff Christian Yelich, uh, four for 11. Four walks, two runs, three RBI. The man is setting the table. And then Willie Adamas, four for 11, double walk, four runs, three RBI. Uh, through 75 games this season, uh, Rowdy Tlez leads things with 10 Master Brew points. Uh, this is wrong. Uh, so we're not going to update the Master Brew points. You should subscribe to gspn.substack to, to learn more. What's going on here, Snyder? What, what, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. 
who cares? We're all going to die one day anyway. Um, Rowdy's ahead, in first place. That's like, I can give you that much. Rowdy's got 11. Uh, Rowdy's got 11. Corbin, Corbin Burns, Burns has, has got nine. nine. Willie uh, Adams has six. Uh, Jace, Andrew, you wait. I'm going through here. I'll. I'll I've got him. Tyrone Taylor. And no, Andrew you're missing guys. You're missing guys. You're missing guys. Rowdy Tlaes, eleven. Corbin Birds, nine. Christian Yelich, Jace Peterson, seven. Uh, Willie Adams, Josh Hader, six. Andrew McCutcheon, Tyrone Taylor, Devin Williams, Hunter Renfro, five. And I think that's everyone who was awarded this week. So we can we can cut it off there. But that's covering everyone there. See, look, it's we can we can I, react on the fly. There's no need for panic. No, sorry, I was my 10 a.m. meeting canceled, so I got shook when trying to reply to that and also reveal master brew points. That's my bad, everybody. I'm balancing too many things at once. Uh I'm a multitasker. I usually am. Uh, it just usually doesn't uh affect me like this. Please don't fire me, real job. Um, looking ahead to to this week, Adam, a very unique series on the horizon. You don't see the Brewers play the Rays that often, uh, and you're we're going to play them in their hideous shopping mall located not in Tampa, Florida, but in Saint Petersburg, Florida. It's an mm. absolute just just uh, well, the abomination of a ballpark. I mean, Florida is literally a hellscape, so this is not surprising. But uh, today, Tuesday, June 28th, uh, 6-10 Central, Brandon Woodruff versus Shane Baz. Uh, and then Wednesday, a, a is that 11, 10 a.m. Central start? Have some brunch on the workday and watch a little Brewers baseball. Eric Lauer versus Jeffrey Springs. Um, that one's called Springs the Adam is, McGee Special, the 11 10 yeah. Central. I think Springs is one of the guys that refused to wear the pride hats. So I hope we score 10 runs off of him in the first inning and he uh, stubs his toe. Uh, but that's what we have to look at for this week. And then a four game series starts with the Pittsburgh Pirates on Thursday, uh, followed by three with the Cubs and then three more with the Pirates. So tough opponent coming up next, but then some opportunity to really take advantage of uh, some bad NL Central teams. And, uh, of course, Brandon Woodruff making his return uh, as a starter tonight for the Brewers. Also, on now, this could change because it feels like they've changed this particular player's availability a few times, but things went well for him with the Timber Rattlers. I believe Colton Wong was supposed to be joining back up at the Brewers for today as well. So He is. He was activated yesterday. Great. So, probably Colton Wong's return tonight as well. So that's to see Woody and Colton Wong back. Very, very welcome. Like that's, that's two very important experienced kind of core members of this squad who have been missing recently. So to get both of them back is a nice bonus for the Brewers. Yes, it is. Um, Adam, before we go, I wanted to, uh, touch on one thing like i mentioned kurt hogg earlier of the milwaukee journal sentinel he put out a piece today uh about some trade candidates that i think would be interesting for the brewers and his his take is that the one thing this team needs is another bat just to lengthen that lineup and give them more options and i think we would agree the starting rotation when fully healthy uh is solid the bullpen when fully healthy and when you have the 
option of having like maybe an Aaron Ashby in there or something of that nature is, is really solid and can give you what you need, but maybe, maybe another bat. Um, some guys that he mentions, uh, two that we've already talked about many times, Trey Mancini, first baseman outfielder DH from the Orioles, uh, power hitter. He has a one twenty seven WRC plus this year, really solid. And then Andrew Benintendi, who's hitting 299, 366, 391 this year. Left-handed hitting outfielder. The big question that Hogg raises is the same one that I raised. Um, can he play center field still? He played it in college, played some in 2019, but has been primarily a left fielder in the year since. Um, a couple other names that are very intriguing. Uh, a guy we saw recently, but you might not have seen much of because you were very, very sick and uh, should not have been subjecting yourself to watching the Washington Nationals play baseball, but Josh Bell. This is a tough one because I struggle with guys that are only going to be a DH or a first baseman because obviously I don't want to give any, I don't want to give Craig Council any reason to think Rowdy shouldn't ever be in the lineup. Uh, but Bell's having a great season. So if it was a situation where they were like, okay, against righties, we'll DH him and Kutch will play the outfielder, get a day off, I could get that. But I don't want anyone jumping in at first base, but he's having a great year 303, 386. 487 on the year with 11 homers not a very good defensive player so this would be a dh only pick um same with cj cron in colorado who's having a, a great year i would kind of think that the rockies won't look to move him just yet i don't think they're quite in fire sale mode even if they're not really relevant to the major league baseball big picture um and then there's one that uh, i'll let you touch on because i know you're familiar with this guy and have been uh uh, like following up on the, kind of these rumors, it's Brian Reynolds, the center fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who uh, has been in trade rumors for the better part of a year and is signed through 2025. And he is a true uh, center fielder. Any thoughts on any of the aforementioned names or Brian Reynolds? Uh, ben Attendi, you've been saying since like probably game two or three of the season, you've been like sending me messages about him. So that is a, one I'm entirely prepared for in terms of the idea of that. Brian Reynolds is one of the the obvious ones that I think too has been flagged up for quite a way out as obviously the Pirates are not very good and they may be willing to shop someone and a legitimate center fielder that is an option there. I I don't know. I'm this is gonna be my first uh trade deadline following all things Brewers. I'm not necessarily inspired with a whole lot of confidence that the Brewers will be making any kind of splashy move. I'm curious as to what they would be willing to pay, like what their price is. And even in terms of when Stearns is assessing the situation right now, like what, what are you prepared to give up in prospects for if it's a rental for this season, if it's just a short-term addition more generally, like where are the Brewers at organizationally in terms of a win now sense? Because that's, I, I have no read on that myself in watching the team. Like we know how baseball works and that the Brewers are good. They've got great pitching. And if the bats come alive at the right time, sure, they could win a World Series. But are they in a place where he's going to gamble with some some of the higher end prospects that the Brewers have, knowing that they're not exactly like stocked up to the gills with top quality prospects? Like that's, that's an element here too. I, I think maybe more than some other teams around the league 
the Brewers might want to be a little bit more cautious about what prospects they are trading away. Because if you made the wrong call on that, I don't think you have such an abundance that you get away with it. It could be something you really find yourself regretting. And are they in the, are they in the position where that upgrade pushes them over the edge? I don't know. Like that's something that someone much more informed about the players they could be trading for, like you may be able to, to educate me on, but that would be my question. And I, I find it tough to get a read on where Stearns and where ownership there, I say maybe feeling on that in terms of like, where are the Brewers at? What are they, are they looking to make the win now move? And like what, at what cost are they prepared to make a win now move? If there's something they feel they need, because they do have some nice prospects who are playing pretty well in the minor leagues that, you know, <laughs> a year or two, they could actually be the pieces that make the big difference. So it's a, it's an interesting spot they find themselves in. Yeah. It's, it's been like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of just like a trope throughout baseball that fans and organizations overvalue their own prospects. So maybe that's what I'm <laughs> what I'm doing right now. But I think any deal that starts with Frelick, Weimer, or Chorio is just a non-starter for me. And like I don't think there's anything on the market right now that would make uh, giving up on any of those guys right now worth it. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you there that uh, like if you're if you're offering any of those guys in a Brian Reynolds deal, I would just absolutely pull my hair out. Um, but I don't think they'll do that um, as well. I think that that it's it's clear that they they value these guys from a player perspective, and then I can imagine that from a cost control perspective, when they are eventually ready, that is going to be a big factor <laughs> in in kind of the decision making. Even now, uh, I was going to so- say that, like for Brewers fans maybe that's a different rule to other teams around the league because can Brewers fans overvalue their own prospects when really what ownership is going to value is developing your own prospects and having them cost control for as long as possible. Uh, yep. And some other targets that he mentions that, you know, I don't know that they're really realistic is Brandon Drury from the Reds, uh, Yimer, who plays second base and primarily third base. Yimer Candelaire for the Tigers, who plays third base. I'm pretty comfortable with the Urias Peterson crosso options that you have, unless you're getting like a true impact bat. It, the question is, do you believe that Brandon Drury's 851 OPS with 15 homers this year is real? And is it not just a product of playing in the Little League ballpark we know is Great American Ballpark? Uh, some other names he mentions are some bullpen arms because even though we know it's not the hottest position of need, that's the easiest thing to go and grab at the deadline and the cheapest thing from a prospect perspective and in many cases a cost perspective. So uh, Hogg says in this article, trying to figure out which relievers the Brewers were at at deadline day any given year is like throwing darts blindfolded. But you can be assured of one thing, they will go add, out and add at least one bullpen piece. So if they do it, he mentioned names like Anthony Bass from the Marlins, Willie Peralta from the Tigers, who is a uh, former uh, brewer who made 120 starts uh, with Milwaukee. And he says for the Brewers fans to put your pitchforks down. So I need to go do some research on that, see why people will be so angry. Then we've got uh, Chris Flexen in Seattle. One name he did not mention. That is a name that has been really intriguing me over the last few weeks as I just – sit in my spare time and peel through rosters from bad teams and see who could add some value. I really like Scott Barlow with Kansas City Royals. They've already started their teardown by trading Carlos Santana 
to the uh, Seattle Mariners, but Scott Barlow is their closer. He's thrown um, 32 and two-thirds innings this year, 2-0 ERA. Last year, um, 74 and a third innings, 2-4-2 ERA. Bringing another closer quality arm to the bullpen at a cheap cost, um, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they are going to acquire a bullpen arm, though I think we all agree. A bat is the highest priority, and the biggest priority for me is don't mortgage the future. You've got three, like, potentially elite outfield prospects, some other intriguing ones. And Garrett we, Mitchell, we haven't mentioned Bryce Durang either, who has some versatility or trying to and is a valuable prospect. Yeah, I mean, particularly this is where... particularly too with like depending how they're viewing, like it, that feeds into our conversation about potentially do they look at Arias second longer term? If not, Bryce could factor into how you're going to move things around in the infield if if Colton is to to be moved on from this summer. Just awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna and... keep doing that. Um, I keep trying not keep trying not to cough. Rough day for me. Uh other guys that I would. You know, this comes into the overvalue and prospects things, uh, but I would probably include Terang and Ethan Small on my I don't want to trade you list. Uh, maybe that's me being unreasonable. <laughs> you have to give to get. Uh, but I think it would just it would take like it would take a Mancini would probably be the only bat of those ones that were listed for me to be like to listen to your argument for some of these guys. But uh, unless the weather is uncooperative, I will get my first in-person look at Jackson Shurio uh, for the Carolina Mudcats tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that. Unless unless uh, he is randomly called up to the Timber Rattlers between now and then, and then Ty gets the first look for the GSP. That's, that's true. We should have it covered one way or another. Unless the weather conspires against, unless he gets called up, but you get to see a game, and then he gets rained out for the Timber Rattlers. That would be the, the only enforced scenario where we maybe don't get to report back on Jackson Shurio in a few days. Yeah, so uh, I, I love Ty, but I really don't <laughs> don't want him to have this. I want to watch him tomorrow in a rural North Carolina town where I've probably eaten a overpriced ballpark hot dog and drank uh, a beer that is uh, flat. That's that's what I want in my future. All right. Do we do we have anything else to wrap up on? Like you said, we've got Colton Wong and Brandon Woodruff returning today. Two games against the Tampa Bay Rays uh, and the Brewers currently sit 42 and 33 with a half game lead over the Cardinals in the National League Central. One other thing of note, because as the season goes on, I'm going to I'm going to. Well, I was going to just add in. I think that we should start tracking another element to the standings more generally just for podcasting purposes. I mean, they could factor in bigger ways, but for podcasting purposes, uh, Leonta Braves of the Milwaukee Brewers are pretty oh. much neck and neck in the standings. Brewers mm. currently half a game back. I think we should probably pod to pod. Uh, keep an eye on this in future. I don't know. Call it the Andrew standings. What do you think on this? Uh, I think I think we're overestimating <laughs> how many people care. Uh, I don't know. About... I think it could be good content as the, the season progresses. It could. Uh, those absolute soulless cretins made Freddie Freeman cry like five times last weekend. Uh, you know, we're all going through it. So uh, uh, who's? it's not to say that I didn't cry a few times this weekend, but it had nothing to do with baseball. Uh, it had more to do with the general state of the country that I live in. But 
the Andrew standings definitely something to monitor. I I just know that they're going to play a playoff series against one another, and I'm going to bankrupt myself to go to every game, and it's going to be either uh, positive catharsis or emotional wreckage, and we just can't know till we get there. That's I guess what we call the business of teas. Well, we'll see how that plays out. All right, that does it for us for now. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you'll find all of our Milwaukee Books content. It's free agency week, so there's plenty of that coming, and there'll be lots of news in the, the days and weeks come. So between myself and Jordan, at win in six between Ty and Ron at the Eurostep, and between all of our crossover content, we'll have all of that covered too. Go subscribe to Substack, gspn.substack.com. You'll get articles in the books. You'll get um, <coughs> you'll get Master Brewer leaderboards. You know, Andrew has time to pour over to make sure he's got the details right for the write-up. No flustered kind of rushed breakdown. So if you want to make sure you always get them, straight to your inbox, gspn.substack.com. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. I'm at AdamMcGee11. Andrew's at AC Snide gspn.info you can get all the information on basically everything you need um as it comes to the Eurostep podcast network so that being ourselves here at cruise for bruising and the books podcast if you want to buy merch support us you'll get the link to the store there if you want to get into discord so you can be a part of the the brewers group chat and have access to our watch along parties on playback we are going to be doing one tonight for Brandon Mudder's return you can get all of the info you can get get your access there gspn.info that will get you sorted and that's pretty much it until next time thanks to all of you for listening thank you Andrew thanks Adam <laughs>